Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. It's titled, God's Deliverance, God's Triumph. Have you ever been in a situation where you were just thankful that you made it through it? Just thankful that you made it through it. That's deliverance. But we're taking it to the second level today for God's triumph. Some of you old-timers will greet these familiar words to this song I'm about to sing to you a cappella. And y'all can help me out when you know it, because there's a few of you that know it. It's one of those good old hymns that came out of the revival period in earlier uh, in the ninth, excuse me, the 20th century. We're letting the kids get out of here and then they're going to show you on the overhead. Give them verse 1, and I'll start it. When the host of Israel, led by God, around the walls of Jericho, softly trod, trusting in the Lord, they felt the conqueror's tread. By faith they saw the victory ahead. Now the second verse. David with the shepherd's sling and five stones met the giant on the field all alone. Trusting in the Lord, he knew what God had said. By faith he saw the victory ahead. Daniel prayed unto the Lord thrice each day, and then unto the lion's den led the way. Trusting in the Lord, he did not fear or dread. By faith he saw the victory ahead. Sing this verse, victory ahead. Victory ahead through the blood of Jesus. Victory ahead, trusting in the Lord. I hear the conqueror's tread. By faith I see the victory ahead. Not sure if you noticed it, but every one of those verses comes out not just with deliverance, but triumph. Because you see, uh, not only did God deliver Jericho into Israel's hands, but they got to keep Jericho. You got that? It was now their territory. That's not just deliverance, that's triumph. Walls didn't just fall, fall down, but they got everything inside the walls. Not only that, David with his shepherd's sling five stones. It only took one stone, by the way, and, and he didn't just knock down the giant. He took off the giant's head, and it didn't end there because after that, the whole army of Israel rushes in, and they take over, and they slay the Philistines. David even had peace after that because of the work that God did in that moment, or uh, Saul at that point. What about Daniel and the lion's den? This is the, this, you're thinking, well, I, you know, he, God delivered him from the lion's mouth. No, it wasn't just that. After Daniel was done, the king made a declaration. There was one true God in all of the land, and that God all of us will worship because of Daniel and his deliverance in that moment. That's triumph, not just deliverance. So I want to talk to you today. Some of you are in this place this morning, or yeah, it's now afternoon. You're in this place this afternoon, and you're thinking, well, I've had enough with just getting by. Anybody in this place want to triumph in it here? Am I talking to anybody that would like to be on the next level, not just getting by? I thought I was talking to people like that. I might have to talk to these people over here because it didn't sound to me like y'all were in that crew. Anybody over here want to triumph? 
take it to the next level? How about y'all over here? Y'all see what I'm talking about? They're ready. We're going to do this from an extremely well-known Bible story, a book that everybody likes to read, and there's even plenty of Christian cartoons on this story. The main actors. There's a queen. There's a king. There's an evil man on the side trying to get things to happen behind the scene. And then God raises up somebody else to not just get by, but to triumph. You should have been able to pick up from those clues that we're going to talk about Queen Esther today. So we're in the book of Esther, chapter 3. I do have it on the overhead for you here. When they received their death sentence. Some of you have received a death sentence. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. That's the name of the king. So in the month of April, during the 12th year of King Xerxes' reign, lots were cast in Haman's presence. The lots were called Purim. Pay attention to this verse and things that are now being said to you. Lots were called Purim. It's basically like throwing dice. Casting lots is similar to a, a, of our throwing dice and, and the expected outcome would be determined by how they landed and what they said. To determine the best day and month to take action and the day selected was March 7, nearly a year later. All right, so keep that in your mind. March 7, nearly a year later. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There is a certain race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those any, of any other people. And they refuse to obey the laws of the king, so it is not in the king's interest to let them live. If it please the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed, and I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. I don't know if you're picking up what's happening in that verse. Listen to it again. If it please the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed and I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. This guy's ticked off, and he's willing to pay to have these people eliminated. Rage will make you do things that you ought not to do. Rage will make you act in ways that you ought not to act. So this would be a good opportunity for this preacher to say to all of you that are sitting under the sound of my voice, watch your rage. Bible tells you you can be angry and sin not. Although that's rare, most people sin when they get anger. There's a righteous style of anger, right moments and right times when you should be angry. You don't have to act docile or as if it doesn't matter, but you don't have the right to curse and carry on and start hitting people just because you're angry. It's like he knows us here in this church. Let me give you a little background to this story. In case you're here and, and you don't know this story. And, and look, you could sit down in a, in, in a short period of time and read every chapter of this small book in the Old Testament. It's about one-third of the way in. It's before Psalms. 
amazing story. But let me give you a little background. So the Jews were captive in what is called the Medo-Persian Empire. What you may not know is they, they've come in basically and the entire Middle East is run by what is called the Medo-Persian Empire. And King Xerxes, or depending on where you're reading in the Bible, it's also, he's also known as Ahasuerus. But same king. He's in charge of this in huge territory. Think of him as being in charge of all of the Middle East. Just think of it, all of those. Places like Turkey, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, all of those, Israel, Egypt, all of it. He's in charge of all of it. And, and um, Haman is the guy that's second in command, or he's the one that takes care of all of the things for the king. And what happens is the, the king, in this case King Xerxes, decides he's going to throw a big party, and at that party he wants his queen, Vashti at this time, to come and dance before them. Vashti says, oh no, he ain't. Do you think I'm a piece of meat? I ain't dancing in front of all his peeps. I don't care about that. No, I ain't doing that. I ain't a piece of meat for everybody to look at and enjoy. And so all of the people that surround the king say, you need to do something about this. You got to get rid of her. She's got a bad attitude. She don't respect you, king. And so he decides that he's going to do that. And what they do is they decide they're going to look all over the land and they pick out dozens of young virgin women and bring them to the palace and they start grooming these women to become the next queen because Vashti's on her way out. So this is what happens. And uh, it, the, one of the girls becomes, um, that is going to become the queen, we'll know her, we know her as Esther, and, and she's related to a guy whose name is Mordecai. He is essentially her, um, he becomes her father figure. He raises her as its own. He's actually like a first cousin, uh, an, an older first cousin. But let me just sum it up by saying Queen Esther doesn't come from the best of circumstances. You still with me? Keep that in your mind. She doesn't come. Everything's not perfect around Queen Esther. In fact, things are pretty bad. But then along comes these people and say, hey, you're coming to the palace. She has no option. She has no choice. She's not given an option. She can't opt out saying, no, nah, thanks, but I don't think I want to do that. Here she is, sweeped up in this When they gather all these young ladies and bring them to the palace area, and they start grooming her. They start doing all of the stuff to make her prettier, if you will. So the Jews are captive in this land, and it turns out that Esther is a Jew. Haman, the second in command to the king, devises this evil plot, and it was received by the king, who was basically could care less. He was so disconnected, he was like, all right, well, you say they're bad. Do what you got to do. Here's my ring. Put my seal on it, and you, you send it out. And so the decree goes out throughout the land that says simply that the Jews were a people of no value. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're thinking that the enemy, the enemy has told you stuff like this. The Jews were people of no value to the kingdom. They were, in fact, a threat to the kingdom. So all the other people groups had the right to kill them. That's the decree. Doesn't sound like fun, does it? Haman was the Old Testament equivalent to Hitler. That's who he was. That's how he was. Haman was evil. He was evil in his heart and mind and set up, and he acted out of rage. It was Mordecai that wouldn't bow to him when he came in. So what would happen is, is they'd come through city gates, and people like Mordecai, who were important people otherwise, would be standing by the gates. And when Haman would come through, he was second in command. Remember it? When he'd come through, Mordecai wouldn't bow because the scriptures say bow to no man. 
And I mean in the sense of calling them like a god. Not bowing in honor, like the Indians say, namaste. That's honor, that's reverence, respect. But Mordecai wouldn't bow to Haman because Haman was evil in his heart, and Mordecai knew that, and he hated the Jews, and Mordecai said, you're not a god, I only worship and bow to one. So that got him in trouble. And it wasn't good enough that one Jew, the one that caused him the personal grief, Haman's grief, if you will, be eliminated. He wanted all the Jews eliminated. You want to talk about prejudice? That's prejudice right there. He labeled everyone that was a Jew because of Mordecai that they were bad. And simply, uh, surely there was more to Haman's hatred of the Jews than Mordecai's not bowing down, but we don't get a whole lot of that in the story. Well, the plan was moving forward. It was moving ahead swiftly, and until news of the plot reached Mordecai, who happened to be the queen's adopted father, as I said a moment ago. Uh, she then, with God's help, devises a plan to, to defeat the plan of the enemy. And what did she do? She called for a fast. She said, I want you guys, I want you to tell all of the Jews all over the territory, wherever they are, send out a message to pray and fast for three days. And it would be a total fast. They wouldn't even drink water. For three days, pray and fast. Seek the Lord that I may have favor. She tells them to pray that I may have favor when I go to the king. That was all that she was asking them to do. It wasn't a dozen things. It wasn't a hundred things. It was just you pray that God gives me favor with the king. Why was this important? Because you don't just waltz up to the king and say, here's what I need even if you're the queen in that time. You know what kings often did in that time? You waltz up to him with your request, I don't like you, off with your head. And that's what would happen. Nothing. No discussion. <laughs> no waiting a few days to see if I change my mind. Nope. Nope. If he said off with your head 15 minutes later, your head was off. And so she prays for favor. They fast for favor. I wonder if you can go into 2020 joining us in a time of prayer and fasting. I wonder if you'll start with us on January the 2nd. And, and, and while we're not calling for the same kind of fast, three days of total fast, we're asking you to pray for, like Daniel did, similar to Daniel, Daniel, you'll go 21 days and you'll only have one meal a day after 5 p.m. Now you may have to adjust for your situation or your story. But keep it to one meal a day. And, and I've tried to tell folks to ride along, uh, and we've done this over the last several years, uh, don't try to make up for all of the calories after 5 p.m. Do your body a favor. Give it a break. And spend your time when you would be eating in prayer. Really. Seek the Lord for his favor, for Central Assembly of God and all of its ministries. Pray for me and your leadership team in general, the pastoral staff and all of the others, the elders and the deacons and deaconesses. Pray for us. Everybody that leads anything in ministry heads, pray for us. And seek the Lord for God's favor and blessing on everything that we put our hands to. Because if God blesses something, can't nobody stop it. And we walk in his anointing and his blessing. And I know that and I understand it. But I still need your prayers. Just like Queen Esther needed their prayers. So join us in this time. So the plan's moving forward. And so... I want you to read with me some more scriptures. And we'll go to Esther chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. I need to fill in a gap here, so I'll catch everybody up in a moment. Let's just read these two verses. Then Queen Zer King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, I have given Esther the property of Haman, and he has been impaled on a pole because he tried to destroy the Jews. 
not only did God hear, not only did they get by, but you're about to see the triumph take place. King says, no, go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name. <laughs> another message had been sent. I wonder if anybody's got another message. Some of you that we prayed for this morning already, you got another word. You'd been told, you'd been given a death sentence, but God had another word for them. He has another word for you. Go ahead and send a message to the Jews that in the king's name telling them whatever you want, Mordecai, and seal it with the king's signet ring. But remember that whatever has already been written in the king's name and sealed with his signet ring can never be revoked. We'll read some more scriptures in a moment. Let me back up and let you know what has happened in the meantime. In the meantime, what happened was God heard Esther's prayer and all of the Jewish people's prayer. And he came through in an, in an amazing way. God reversed what had already been declared by the king. God reversed it. You just read that. That's the reversal. It wasn't just that they would be okay. No, no. God tells Mordecai, you send out a message all over the land. Tell them what you want. That doesn't sound like we're just getting by anymore, does it? He uses his signet ring. Now the ring that had been used by Haman to bring destruction or intent of a destruction on the Jewish people is now given to Mordecai. So what was his death sentence now becomes his triumph. I don't know what you're in right now. I don't know what the devil is telling you. I don't know what your story may be. I don't know how bad it's been for you. I do know this. We serve a great and awesome God that's got a different story and a different ending for you. May you maybe you got filled up with all of those Hallmark movies over this Christmas season. They always end good. That's why we love those movies. We know it's going to turn out good. The right guy's going to get with the right woman, and it's all going to be pretty. And but I'm telling you, God has a plan for you that is for your good, and it is for your preservation, but it's for your triumph as well. So Mordecai... We got to read verses 11 through 13. Give me that, those. The king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite to defend their lives. They were allowed to kill, slaughter, and annihilate anyone of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children and wives and to take the property of their enemies. The day chosen for this event, remember when I told you something to remember? Throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes was March 7 of the next year. Bring back any memories? A copy of this decree was it to be issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all peoples so that the Jews would be ready to take revenge on their enemies on the appointed day. <laughs> the devil had an appointed day, but God said, uh uh uh, I got another appointment. That same day was their day of independence. God had a different declaration. Let's read verse 17. In every province and city, wherever the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival and holiday. And many of the people of the land became Jews themselves for they feared what the Jews might do to them. This isn't just a little reversal, folks. This is now, now the Jews are the ones being feared. God had a different decree and kind of to fill in the gap, the very gallows that had been built that were supposed to 
have Mordecai, Mordecai impaled on became the gallows that, well, Haman was hanged on or pierced. So the king issues this new decree, granting the Jews in every province to assemble in order to protect themselves. It gave them the right to destroy, kill, or annihilate. Man, that's not just get kindly put away. Annihilate. Any armed force of any nationality or province that might attack them, their children, or their women. And what's really neat, as I said to you a moment ago, is the very day which had been designated as their day of execution and annihilation became a day when they would, could legally reassemble as a people and regain national pride. I can hear Martina McBride singing in the back of my head for those of you who have no idea. Let freedom ring, let the white dove sing, let the whole world know that today is a day of reckoning. Let the weak be strong. Let the right be wrong. It's Independence Day. What was told to them by the enemy was going to be their day of destruction became their day of deliverance. But not just deliverance, they triumph. We're going to see it. They were able to celebrate and proclaim a, a feast, actually. Do you know they still celebrate that feast today? March 7th is still the Feast of Purim. They still celebrate it, their day of independence. Similar to our 4th of July, only this happened thousands of years ago, not hundreds of years ago for them. So they not only were delivered, but they triumphed. Let's read chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. So on March 7, the two decrees of the king were put into effect. On that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but quite the opposite happened. It was the Jews who overpowered their enemies. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout the king's provinces to attack anyone who tried to harm them. But no one could make a stand against them, for everyone was afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the highest officers, the governors, and the royal officer, officials helped the Jews for fear of Mordecai. For Mordecai had been promoted in the king's palace and his fame spread throughout all the provinces as he became more and more powerful. So the Jews went ahead on the appointed day and struck down their enemies with the sword. They killed and annihilated their enemies and did as they pleased with those who hated them. What was Haman's hatred had spread throughout the entire land or may well have already existed amongst some of the people towards the Jews. Many people despised them. And now, it may be hard for you to imagine or believe in this day and age, but do you know what? It hasn't been that long since it was a, simple, a similar kind of mentality with African Americans in this nation. And I want to take the opportunity today to say there's no room for any kind of prejudice of any people group in this nation of people, and certainly not amongst the people of God. No room for it. It's not welcomed in the kingdom of God. It's not welcomed here. Any of your prejudices against people of whatever color they may be. The Jews assemble and despite what the had stood against them in a few days prior now all the leaders throughout the land stood with them the very people that would have been seeing to it that that things were going to happen and and they were going to be destroyed now stood with them the very one in fact who had been the seat of Haman's discontent 
Mordecai in this case, became the second most powerful man in all of the world of that day. Mordecai, the one who had been given the death sentence, was now second in command. Do you remember what the words the king gave him were? Write it down, say whatever you want. Do you hear that? That's not, okay, you'll get by. Everything's going to be all right, Mordecai. Say whatever you want. That's different, isn't it? Can you imagine for a moment that this guy for whom the gallows had been built is now second in command? So the tide completely turns. Come on, somebody. The tide completely turns. What was one day is not today. Somebody sitting here listening to me right now is looking for that to happen in your life, in your story, in your situation. Not only were they delivered from their enemies, but they triumphed over their enemies. In fact, we read that scripture in verses 2 and 3. It says that their enemies were afraid of them. Do you know that your enemy is afraid of you? If you ever really get a hold of who you are in Christ Jesus, really, you make the enemy shudder. Because you know the name of Jesus and all that represents. People were afraid of these Jews now. They were afraid of them. And think about this for a moment. It's not because they were a vast army. They hadn't been trying to become armor, armor bearers. They weren't the kind of people. They weren't looking to form. They couldn't form an army. They were unable to assemble. It's not like they had months and months to practice and prepare. And yet the people are afraid of them that surround them now. Jews, however, weren't content to just be delivered, but they pressed forward in triumph, killing and destroying, annihilating, doing what they pleased to those who hated them prior. Oh, they do show some mercy. We find that in, in verses 10, 15, and 16. Let's just bring up 10. The 10 sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, but they did not take any plunder. Go to verse 15. Then the Jews at Sisa gathered together on March 8 and killed 300 more men, and again they took no plunder. Verse 16. Meanwhile, the other Jews throughout the king's provinces had gathered together to defend their lives. They gained relief from all their enemies, killing 75,000 of those who hated them, but they did not take any plunder. They showed some mercy is what I'm telling you. They had the right to take the plunder. They chose not to. That's mercy. Do you know your sin will send you to hell? Your destiny was hell without Jesus going to the cross showing you mercy. Your destiny would have been hell, but he showed you mercy. And you have a way of escape when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I've said all of that to get to this today. What God did for the Jews in this moment, God can do for you in this moment. I wonder if in the next 21 days when we get to January 2nd on Thursday, I know it's a lot to ask because some of you, it's, it's a struggle. Fasting is a struggle. It's not like it's, it's enjoyable to go hungry. I understand that, really. I, I've been doing it so many years now, I'm used to it, but I, it doesn't mean that I enjoy it. In fact, I've been indulging over the top for the last week, and I know that I've only got like four more days <laughs> of indulgence. January 1st is coming fast. And then there's January 2nd. By the way, we chose to start on January 2nd because we're joining with, we, we love our brother, brother Jonathan Shuttlesworth 
and, and he does this, at, he starts on that day, and what he has is daily casts, podcasts, etc., and you can join with him, and I think it'll be good for you to watch what he says and what he does, because it'll help you in your prayer time. Regardless of doing that, join us in prayer. And then starting on the Sunday, um, is that January 5, I believe it is, uh, is the Sunday, and we'll, we'll, we will have a, a prayer service at night, Sunday night, and various things through the week, prayer uh, 6 o'clock on Sunday night, and then 7 o'clock each night following. We'll have themes and stuff to help you to focus on, and so those things will be happening. And I will give you what I believe God has given me for a theme we should pray on and, and approach for 2020. But I'm not giving it to you today. It's too early. You're going to have to wait. It's possible it'll come out, though, on uh, New Year's Eve. It's entirely possible. You may want to be there. God can do the same for you. Church, I want to close out this message by saying, Do you, do you ever watch the Olympians? you ever watch some of the stories behind the Olympians? you ever hear them talk about spending four years of their life completely dedicated to one goal? Four years. And their families join them. There are Olympians that move from one town to all the way across the U.S. to be in one place so that they can get trained under the best trainer and so families give up they'll give up their jobs they'll change jobs they'll go to different places just so they can get the bronze did they anybody going for the bronze anybody stand up there saying yes I spent four years for this bronze now, I realize that's an amazing achievement. I've never even been in the running. So, yeah, that's a huge achievement. I'd be content, be happy to be told that I was the third best preacher in all the Lehigh Valley. I'd be okay with that. So you understand what I'm talking to you about. But these guys and ladies that train for their Olympic medals aren't training to get the bronze. They're not even trying to get the silver. They're training for the gold. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody today that wants to go for the gold. You've had enough of bronze and silver. You're ready to triumph and be on top. Be the head versus the tail. Be the first versus the last. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody that's in a situation right now where the enemy has declared you're not going to make it. He's given you one story, but today in your spirit there's something welling up and you're saying, wait a minute, there's a gold that I'm looking for right now. There's some gold I'm anticipating. I've had enough of second best. I've had enough of just deliverance. I want to be on the side of a God who triumphs. That's where you want to be today. Stand to your feet right now. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it simple in a moment, but you, you solid believers will indulge me for a moment because you know that eternity is at stake right now. And it's possible that there are people who are standing here right now who are not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, then should you die, should tragedy strike your life, you don't, you don't know. You don't know. None of us know. None of us know. It's the rare person that actually knows. And so if it's possible that you're standing here right now and not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, You've not invited Jesus into your heart. And the word says this, Jesus himself spoke these words. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There's only 
only one way to heaven, only one way to spend eternity in heaven, and it's through Jesus. And if you've not invited him into your life, or perhaps you walked away from him at some point, and you're not sure if you should die, if you should perish, if tragedy should strike your life, you're not ready for that. And not sure you're going to make it to heaven, but you want to change that today. Heads bowed, eyes closed, but lift your hand if you say, that's me. I want to change it today, preacher. I want to be assured. I want to know that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven and live there. There's only one other alternative. I want all of you to be with us in heaven. If you're here today and things are not good between you and God, would you lift your hand right now? Instead of telling me, everybody in this place, you're absolutely assured. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't. You want to remove the question mark. You want to put an exclamation point where there's a question mark now on eternity for you. Come on, lift your hand. Is there anybody like that? Anyone else? All right, here's what I got to do. I'm going to honor this one hand. Say, if you mean business with God and you want to get things right and you want to be assured that you're in the right place with God, would you be willing to get out of your seat and come down to this altar right now? You got to have somebody come along with you. Ask them to come with you. Come on. Come on. You're not going to be the only one. Is there anybody else still here? Should have raised your hand. God did a work on your dad. I'm assuming that's your dad because you look a whole lot like him. On his heart, but now he's going to work on your heart. Only it's not your physical heart, it's your spiritual What's your name, buddy? Lucas. Very nice to meet you, Lucas. I want you to pray this prayer with me, bud. I can assure you based on God's word that if you pray this prayer and you mean it from your heart, going to come into your heart. Y'all help me pray with Lucas. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for giving your life and shedding your blood so I could be free, so I could have an Independence Day. Thank you, Jesus, that the grave couldn't hold you, that you burst out of that grave. You proved your power over death, and you give me life from this moment. I am yours. Amen. Wait here just a minute. This guy right here, and you can go along with him. He's just going to get a little information from you so he can help you out and know what to do next, okay? God bless you, Lucas. Welcome. I'd hate to end a message like this and just let you all roam out into the wild world. But I know as sure as I'm standing here right now, I've talked to a few people that really need God to show up big for them. You've been given a death sentence similar to the Jews and Mordecai. You've been told by the enemy that it was over and that you were not going to make it. You've been told there's no way of escape for you declaration had been made over your life. And if I'm talking to you right now and you want to see that reversed and turned around, would you be willing to walk up to this altar now? Come on, take a few more minutes on this Sunday, December 29. 
let us pray for you one more time. If I'm talking to you, you want prayer, come on. Come on. I'm not talking just about physical things. I'm talking about all kinds of things. It looks hopeless to you. I'm not saying that you have to make it say something that it doesn't say. I'm going to wait just a minute longer. Pastor Amy, you go pray right there with me. thank you, Father, that you're alive and well. I thank you, Lord, that no foundation formed against us will prosper. I thank you, Lord Jesus, when the enemy has declared that we will be the tail, you've declared that we will be the head. When the enemy has said we will be last, you've declared that we will be first. That God, our prosperity is not it's not based on what someone else has said. Our failure is not based on what someone else has declared. Our triumph, rather, is based on what you say, Lord. And so, precious Jesus, I thank you. you that you have the final word and your word will stand when everyone else's word falls hallelujah 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 thank you Jesus thank you Jesus blessed be the name of the Lord today, Lord. There's another chapter in this book. Hallelujah. There's another word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Pull up that last scripture for me. Y'all stay up front that have come up front. I want you to hear this. This is in the Bible. This isn't Pastor Cole's words. This is God's word. He speaks over you today. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through, his, through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. That just means that God will bless you so good that everywhere you go, people will smell Jesus on you. waited this long, will you make this declaration with me, all of you that are here today? Make this declaration. Join me, especially those of you that are up front. Say, I declare on the authority of Jesus Christ His spoken word that I am the head 
not the tail. I will be first and not the last. God will cause me to triumph over all my enemies. He will cause me to prevail in any word that had been spoken over me that was meant for my destruction is now annihilated and no longer exists for I have a new word from God I will triumph in the name of Jesus 2020 I know that the best is yet to come Amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610 610- 865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.